set and begin. This is another episode of Generation Today. I'm your host, Everett Smith, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Victor Yee. How are you doing, Victor? Doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So there are sort of a million things that we could talk about for you. You're a super accomplished young dude, but I want to kind of skip over the bio information and hop right into it real quick. What is Innova Youth? Of course, um, I Innova Youth has been the central part of my identity for the past two years, even mm-hmm. three years of my high school experience. Innova Youth is an education nonprofit that I started back after sophomore year when I realized that many students inside the classroom experience were merely regurgitating and memorizing information. Uh, a lot of boring faces in class, a lot of homework being absorbed um, in terms of information. But many people were lacking the drive to move forward with their own individual passions. Uh, I I had seen my friends in biology classes that wanted to solve sustainability issues, but were stuck figuring out protein models and cell structures, which is great, but could have provided a lot more creativity and also the ability to take what they loved most into action. So that's when I started Innova Youth as a nonprofit that not only helped students start their own social impact projects, but also was a way for us to sponsor conferences and webinars and workshops geared towards social responsibility, civic engagement, as well as global leadership, and on top of that, Gen Z culture. So it has been a long while of a journey uh, since I ever first started. It was supposed to be a local initiative, but I'm super grateful for the expansion and the amount of people we've been able to impact um, over the course of our inception of this organization. So how many years have you been doing Innova Youth at this point? At this point, it's been about two and a half years, uh, three years. That's kind of where the timeline has been. Are there any projects or kind of moments that really stand out to you as... Like, oh, that was something we did that was awesome. That was a project that a, a student or an interest they had that they worked on. You're like, ah, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, no, there are so many different experiences. I can I can talk to you on an end about that, Everett. I mean, the amount of compassion and interest these young people are taking that they decided were beyond the scope of what was taught within the four walls of a classroom was just amazing and also shocking at the same time. Um, the first biggest memory and takeaway that I've had during my experience in Innova Youth was when we first held a social responsibility conference um, in the middle of Iran. Um, That was a very interesting scope. Um, I'm sorry, did you say in the middle of Iran? Iran. The country? The country of Iran, in the capital of Tehran, yes. Cool, weekend trip. I know, I wish wish I could have gone. It was a virtual event for on our end, but... It was, we, we had really thought of trying to expand our network because we believe that there are young people from across the world that are like-minded and are just merely not exposed to the same ideas that here in America we do have. Um, and so that's when we first reached out and we had garnered a contact from the Tehran City Hall uh, to 
host a conference about how young students can work inside their local communities to solve sustainable impact. At the time, it was a great idea on our end, but I did not realize how difficult it was as a, ta- as a taboo, first of all, and then second of all, the logistics, because number one, it was hard for us to even write our name and even get it sponsored by an organization in the United States because they never believed in the term social responsibility. Kids had no idea what it was, and it was just not taught in school. So they did not see that as an everyday subject. So at the very end of the day, after months and months of planning, um, I want to even say WhatsApp calls at 5 a.m. before school started. We were planning with teachers and students and parents. And at the end, we got this conference together of 75 individuals, ages 10 to 15, who came together for one day at a conference to talk about problems they saw in their own communities and ways in which they could go beyond their school culture and their school life to actually create systemic change on that level. Uh, whether that was in small actions like recycling, all the way to resolving mental health issues, or even in the bigger scope of just getting more students educated was just another kind of factor that they were thinking about. So it was one of the most eye-opening experiences to me because people that did not speak a word of English, young students, uh, were still able to capture the same idea as we here as young people in the United States continue to fight for, which is the ability for young people to figure out what they would like to do from an early age and actually start to become what we call a change maker. So that was a really, really interesting experience. That's kind of the root of empowerment, is that you're you're taking what these kids are naturally interested in and you're saying, you know, let's explore that. Let's talk about how could you do this? What are the practical steps? So there was a one-day conference that you were organizing from L.A. to happen in Tehran. Correct. That's, That's right. so cool. All right, what can you give me some other examples of stuff that you've done with Innova Youth? I mean, that not yeah, that that course. wasn't impressive, Victor. Not that yeah. that you know wasn't good yeah, enough. But uh... <laughs> yeah, we held another. We held a global uh, leadership conference in Dubai. Uh, that was another really amazing one. Uh, we were able to get sponsorships from a couple companies in the area where especially we host conferences in respect to what we believe would be best for their individual community and so specifically in the uae region they have the ability to get exposed to information but the lack was where they did not know how to move forward with their ideas or how to actually take that upon themselves to work on something that was not like school related anything not academically um I guess, related in that matter. So we held a global leadership summit uh, where we brought together industry professionals, profile figures who have really made a big in their particular area and motivated and inspired young people to start thinking bigger and not just think of young students as the only mere measurement of success as being academically uh, rigorous and also just uh, making sure that you are on top of your studies, but that you can also do something else on the side that would actually help those that need it the most. And so that's when we held uh, this conference, brought together around 250 individuals, um, which was another amazing, amazing work that, you know, I am super grateful that we have a Nova Youth UAE team on staff on the ground. Um, and so we were able to really get that um, to really come into fruition. So really, really amazing experiences. Yeah. yeah. You're taking education out of 
out of the classroom. You're exploring sort of an alternative curriculum. What should we be learning about? What are some projects that we can implement? My grandfather had this saying, um, he had like 22 grandchildren. He would go around to all of them and sort of, you know, knock it into our heads. But it was never let school get in the way of your education. I grew up with that from the moment I could talk and walk. It was so that I totally get the point of something about this curriculum, something about turning students into this unidimensional, the only thing that matters about you from ages five to 22 is, you know, the letters that show up on your report card. When, I mean, so much of what's interesting about knowledge and about learning happens outside the classroom. Exactly. I feel like everyone recognizes that. Yeah. But we don't... <laughs> What's cool about what you've done is, is you've done something about that. We all sort of implicitly accept that, okay, you should learn outside the classroom. And then they're like, oh, what are we going to do about that? I don't know. I mean, everyone knows the education system is broken, Everett, I think, from all levels. Students, parents, principals, administrators, and whatnot. But whether or if we're going to do anything about it is another step. And to be able to solve something systematically from within the system is going to be difficult. But for students to start thinking outside of the box and start to work in areas in which they can con- take control of is something that is more powerful than if they were trying to change a system that was bureaucratic, very hard to get the convincing of many people of, and unfortunately are run by many individuals that had not seen the value of an education like this. So Lots of entrenched interests in the traditional system i think you know you know it very well yes (laughs) i've no i've I've had my fair deal of trying to work with a bureaucracy and it's just it's their job it's just not their job to you know empower you with your education their job is they just don't want to get fired man they have a lot of pressures they're not paid enough they're worried about everything you kind of have to take it into your own hands and say all right you know what am i going to do with my own education Um, do you think, I mean, it sounds like what you focused on was a lot of bringing education, bringing the attention of these students to really big world issues like sustainability, um, you know, the the future of education, technology, innovation. Do you think there's something different about Gen Z that we're more interested in these issues than former generations? That's an interesting question. I think what's different about us is that because we had grown up with just the prevalence of technology on our everyday lives, we just already knew that we could get the information we wanted in a matter of seconds just through a Google search or the internet itself. So for many other generations that were maybe not exposed, I think that's exactly why so many young people now are able to impact on a significant scale than had they been able to one or two generations ago. And so because of that, we have explored information that could easily be attained uh, just through a mere typing on a computer. And so for that reason, young people had found another way for us to not only cultivate new ways of information, but also at the same time then realize that the information that they had access to could be used 
for social good or an ability to expand it to those that did not have the same opportunities as they had. And so I think that's why it's been so prevalent now that we've seen a surge of young people that are doing crazy, amazing things at such a young age that sometimes we think, wow, like how does that actually happen? But when we think about the scope in which like young people have the ability to search up news on an everyday basis, they're tagged along with so much content. And because even ourselves ever, you know, we've never met in person before, but the fact that we're talking here um, is just another testament to the abilities that we have as 18 and 19 and 20 year olds than what our parents had, you know, back, back one or two generations ago. That's so true. Your knowledge is only sort of limited by your time and your curiosity. Um, so that's, that's something I've been thinking a lot about. Maybe it's, and I think you're right, maybe it's the internet. Maybe it's our access to so much information at such a young age. I remember how shocked I was the first time I asked my parents, I was like five or six years old, I asked them some question, something dumb, like, where does the water at the bottom of a well come from? And they're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I, they're like, I, I, I don't dig well. Like, that's not my job. That's not, you know, that's not what right. they learned. Um, but for a kid, anything you want to learn, you can Google. Right. The world is at your fingertips. I've spent... I don't want to think about how many hours just reading Wikipedia articles about random shit. And that's that's a level of information that no one's ever had in human history. Right. It's terrifying. But but maybe that's I don't know if we're a more informed generation, but certainly more interested in broad issues. We seem to have more of a global context. Do you think that's the communication bit as well? The fact that I, you're from LA, right? Right. I'm right. from Rhode Island. We've never met, but we've talked a lot. That's right. That's right. Previous generations couldn't really do that. Do you think that it's the communication bit that gives us sort of more of a global perspective? I do think so. I think that gives us a leverage because... Yeah. People like ourselves, usually without the scope of the internet, we grow up with the people that have been there um, the entirety of our lives. I mean, the, I mean, like the neighborhood. The neighborhood, exactly. The, the one pinpoint. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's always been like that. So without the access to that, I mean, like if we ask our parents, like, like where were they? at like 17 or 18 years old that's why every time like we have these adults on the exactly like every time we have these like adults or these like amazing wonderful individuals that like are maybe in their you know older generation like one or two stages back they always talk about like oh you know like whenever i was like 17 or 18 i was not doing this and it totally makes sense why they weren't able to because they did not know much they weren't exposed to the information and the access to people like yourself. How would I be able to contact you if I did not have the internet? Be my pen pal. I know. Okay, okay. That that would have been cool. That would have been cool. Telegram. I would I would have liked like a monthly message from you. I think that stuff. Uh, I went to summer camp once, and they, they like send you home with train letters. Do you ever? Do you ever? There's something so nice, so romantic yes. about getting a handwritten letter. I feel like we've yes. lost, but. Beside the point, instant communication definitely allows people to connect and coordinate. 
I mean, how would you have organized a conference in Tehran if it wasn't for the internet? If you couldn't WhatsApp somebody for free instantaneously. Um, And by this, you know, I assume you mean young people. I, I would count you among them who are sort of starting nonprofits. You know, they're chief executive officers before they're 25. They're consultants for major brands. They're doing all, they're starting businesses. You know, they're starting podcasts much more successful than this one, but we'll get there. No, no, Um, I I believe this. I believe this. Yeah, there's sort of a, sort of an endless opportunity for kids. It's so cool. Are there any members of Gen Z who you've met who who you thought of as, you know, someone you admire or someone who's, yeah, someone you admire, someone you really respect of their, they're doing something incredible. Are there any members of Gen Z that you've met that you really admire and you think, oh my gosh, they're doing something incredible? Maybe an inspiration for you. There are so many, um, Throughout my my time, just running from conference to conference, as you know, Everett. Uh, yeah, I, we never talked. You were, you had a crazy life. <laughs> you have a crazy life. <laughs> what was the statistic you told me? You, you, how many days of school did you miss speaking at different conferences? About a third to a fourth of my school year was spent on the road. That's crazy. That's, uh, I can't imagine. But I'm sorry, continue. I want to interrupt. I want- yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. I, I think that there are so many individuals that I've met during my time in these various gatherings or conferences that are just doing great things in the world. Some of them may not have uh, the same maybe stature or the same exposure in which they have things like Wikipedia pages or you know things like that that make them who they are as credible figures. But even those people that are working on just everyday issues that we face from like integrating refugees into, you know, societal norms and providing inner, you know, uh, intercultural communication, stuff like that. Like even small actions like those where people are leading those sessions or leading those particular events are people that I admire. And I think that there are so many different people that I could name off the top of my head that are just doing things like that, that, even as myself, when I was back in 14 or 15, that, you know, these are the people that are going to change the world, right? I mean, Everett, like every time I talk to someone like yourself or, you know, another individual like... Oh, you're sweet. Dude, that's against the rules. You can't mention me. <laughs> no, we, we're going to have to include you. I think, you know, talking about like 10, 15, 15 years from now, right? We are going to be in our 30s. I'm sure we will be out of position that will gain us leverage to influence a lot of people. And so the mindset is always like, you know, always meet these young people, figure out like what they're advocating for in their life mission and just get to know them, you know, before they become big. So I I am very, very confident. I'm super glad I met you because before you become famous, I, I am I am right here on this podcast episode. You're you're on the yeah, you're on the ground floor, man. You're on the- <laughs> Same, same to you. Oh my gosh. Now would be a now would be a good time to talk about apart from creating 
a nonprofit that is now in how many countries? 15 countries, right, right. 15 countries. <laughs> Not even triple digits. What are you doing? <laughs> Apart from all of that and the life of, you know, a young executive, what was high school like? Oh, man, that's that's a... Because you've just finished high school, right? right? You're out. Congratulations, you made it. Thank you so much, Everett. What was high school like? High school was quite unconventional, as you mentioned, for me. Um, it was a full life of exploration. A myriad of just experimental adventures that I thought were just once-in-a-lifetime experiences that I thought I needed to uh, take advantage of, and just a lot of learning and self-reflection. I think I had a lot of times in high school where I often faced a lot of obstacles and adversities uh, from personal standpoints of different experiences that weren't necessarily the most positive. But I think they've helped me really develop the person that I am today. And I also gained a positive outlook of how I see my work or how I could potentially continue to personally develop uh, from year to year. So, I mean, talking about high school, I was often the kid um, that was known for not being there at school every day. Um, I, could, I, I think I've never shown you, I think, Everett, but when I, gra- when I graduated high school, my teachers presented me with an award, and the award is most likely to send his instructor a two-page email to explain why he missed the exam because he was at a last-minute <laughs> conference overseas. That was what I was known That's for. That's a flex. Wow, That's a flex. You know what? I, I got a um, record number of tardies because I slept in. <laughs> I should try that one next time. Why weren't you in first period today, Everett? I was uh, in Dubai. They needed me. <laughs> That's good. Well, what I'm hearing is, yeah. And the reason I ask this question is, the answer is almost always sort of the same, which is high school sucks. Like high school sucks. No it it did suck. Way, right? It sucks. High school sucks. If you're listening suck. and you're in high school, know that it sucks and life gets less sucky. You're in it for does. a treat. I will endorse that. Yeah. Um, but if you could, if you could give your high school self any advice, is there anything that pops into your head? Yes. Yeah. I, I think the first, yeah, no, I think the first thing that I would definitely would like to, um, damn, there's so many different advice I would give myself because I was quite a crazy maniac in high school. You can take a minute. It's okay. I think, you know, I think the advice that I would give myself is to think more critically and I think what I mean by that is I often as a personality trait jump from one place to another pretty rapidly whether that's experience opportunities um, from one segue to another initiatives and I often didn't give it a second thought It, it was just a gut reaction of there's something in front of me 
no one else is taking it. So I might as well make take advantage and provide the most that I can. Definitely, that provided its ups and downs of, you know, when at times I had pretty much a like a a plate, sort of like when you would have at the buffets where like you would have like overstacked on like stacked after stacked after food like that you just cannot clear. I often had that many times. Um, I was just doing and doing and performing and you know whatnot. But I think if I were to think back, whatever I could do if I took a second step or a second person to reflect upon different decisions, I think I would have made a little bit more of a better conscious decision to do as much with as little, if that makes sense. So you you would have wanted yourself to be more discerning about what you put your energy into or maybe yeah. not have done so much. Yes. Quite literally. We've talked about this before, but... I, I could have definitely used that advice. I think I could still use that advice. I think I had like a new political manifesto almost every month. Um, I was always reading some really, really obscure text or Wikipedia article about like the Spanish Civil War. And I was like, ah, the like systems of oppression. And, and I just kept bouncing around from so many different ideas and so many different interests that I never settled on one thing. And I think that was kind of okay. I think you should sort of do that as a young person. I wish I hadn't worried about it as much. That's right. I wish I hadn't worried That's about this is the one thing that I need to make successful. Right. You know? I should have just accepted right. that. I, like, I'm not going to get that much done. I'm not going to get that much done. This is just a time to explore. Exactly. Um, You're on a gap. I think that, you know, that's what's so... Yeah. I think that's what's most critical is that, like, we have the ability to explore. And I think that for us to dive into so many different things, I know you were involved in hell of a lot of various initiatives in high school, and so was I. But I think that at one point in time, it's beneficial to help us really create a narrative that we have really dipped our toes in many different particular fields and sectors. And that's what kind of helped us not only determine what we believe is the strength for ourselves, but also, again, make it also, I, I, I find that, you know, that by participating in a lot of various activities and being an explorer, explorer in these fronts, you often have a lot to talk about or just a lot of conversation topics that could overlap with so many different individuals which I think has been pretty useful, not going to lie. I think, you know, I, I dabbled into the music, arts, like mock trial, entrepreneurship, NGO work, education policy, like everything possible. And I think that through that experience, like it's given me a way to connect with every single individual at one point in time. Like I've got to have something that someone else has done that has been you know of a similar experience that i would love to kind of connect with so i think as much as like we had did amazing things in high school i i would definitely agree with you that if we had not worried about the significant results or what we hope to be in the next coming years i think we would have been much better off yeah that's such a good point 
I remember I heard someone say once like there's sort of two keys to making friends. One is sharing experiences together and the second is connecting on common ground. And I think you're so right. There's something so nice about having all of these different experiences and knowing all of these different interests that allows you to, no matter what someone else is interested in, you can connect on that topic. You can have a 20 minute, 30 minute intelligent conversation with whoever you're talking to about what they're interested in. It's not just about you. It's about what they're interested in and you can show them, hey, we both love this thing. Exactly. No, that's so true, Everett. I mean, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but I know that you were super involved in MUN. And I literally went to like yeah. two to three conferences. And that's what kind of got me around when I met other MUNers that, you know, were super, super integrated within their space. And definitely I could still connect on some level. I mean, I was on a committee. I did some work. Um, I wrote research papers and whatnot. So even though it was like a short myriad of time uh, before I left the organization to do other work, it's given me a, at least an, a shared connection experience to even just be on the common ground, just like you mentioned, or just like a common interest that, you know, we can just start our first conversation with just because we did something similar. You know the lingo, you know the language, you're a part of the club, you know, you can connect around. I think we, yeah, we've talked about this. Model UN conferences are crazy. It's insane. You've got 5,000 <laughs> nerds, basically. I count myself proudly among them who gather in a hotel for a weekend to debate global policy and just like get lit because they're, you're never going to meet these kids again in your life. Um, and it, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just a weird, it's a totally weird culture that lots of young people do, but then you connect with that. I know a lot of kids I met my freshman year at college, that was, you know, the third or fourth thing you'd talk about with them was, hey, where are you from? You know, what did you do in high school? Oh, you went to Model UN. I went to Model UN. There were the kids who did debate. There were the kids who did, like, Young Congress, all of that. Right. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's the, yeah. Memory. It's the same, it's the same effect of, um, I was a, I was a travel nerd, so, and I was very privileged. I got to spend a lot of my summers growing up just traveling the world alone. And when you're in Portugal or anywhere and you sort of meet someone else from America, you know, they could be from halfway across the country, but suddenly you're best friends. Because being in a new environment, the smallest amount of similarity is what you latch onto. And suddenly you're experiencing this new thing, but with these people who back in the States, maybe you wouldn't have had that much in common, but in this new weird environment, you have a lot in common. And I think it's the same thing with, when you're at a party, when you're at an event, um, when you're in a new city or you're showing up at college, the smallest little similarities allow you to connect with people. And suddenly, you know, they let you let your guard down and you're sharing experiences and then you're friends. It's like magic. 
that's such a nice like storyline. Kid, kid goes to. Kid, kid goes to another country, meets a young friend. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, similar experiences. We, we'll turn it into a John Green novel. It'll be great. Um, you're on a gap year right now, right? I am. That's yeah. right. Why? What went into your decision for taking a gap year? It's something I always wanted to do. I didn't have the guts to do it. So I applaud your decision. Why did, why did you decide after high school you wanted to take a gap year? Yeah, no, of course. I, I, first of all, I took a gamble doing this gap, gap year because no one at my high school or in my near community have ever heard of the word gap year. So for many individuals, they looked yeah. at me one-eyed or side-eyed um, with a lot of question marks. It was always, what happened? <laughs> I think that's the most question I've, most of the questions I, I get is what happened to you? Um, but I think the first thing of why I wanted to take a gap year was because I wanted to get out of my comfort zone and explore things that I was not able to do because I was afraid that during my high school years, if I had started working on them, that they might end up becoming a waste of time. And what I mean is that because high school is such a cutthroat environment and such a, it's only four years. So the amount of impact that you want to make within four years is only determined by the limit that you can do. So anything that was explorational or included a place for failure was something that I did not really consider. And so that's exactly one of the reasons why I took a gap year. Um, I was fortunate when I had applied to the State Department program that provided a fully funded scholarship to study a language of your choice to another country, where I applied literally to study Arabic in Morocco. That was like one of the most crazy decisions I could even make in my life. Going at first, like I was thinking, right, I... I'm not that religious. I have not met that many people of that specific heritage ever in my life. I live in a sea of Asian immigrants. Um, and also, I've never lived with a host family or just on my own for that significant amount of time. So I decided to really apply. I mean, my, my mother at first, I think I told you Everett, she thought this was the funnel program for me getting into the FBI or getting snatched. She, um, did she want you to become a secret spy? No, she said that was no. the exact reason why she <laughs> did not want me to. She apply. said, Victor, she don't wants- do it. They'll come for you. <laughs> don't do it. The CIA will like make men you in a, like, them. Yeah, men in black suits in a helicopter. You'll, you know, I'll never hear from you again. I, yeah. Exactly. No. exactly. With like all of those like ideas and whatnot, so yeah. yeah, no, that was one of the reasons why I decided to apply was that I saw it as a pretty cool opportunity to get out, and I, as as yourself, loved traveling. So yeah. it was another way to just get to know people and just experience something new. So, so that's the Nisli. I did have the ability. Yeah, that's the Nisli program. Yeah, that's, that's right. The, the Nisli program. I would totally recommend anyone who's in high school to apply to that. I never did it. I had some friends who did it. I think it's so cool. It's all expense paid. You go study a language in another country. Um, it's run by the State Department, and you could become a secret agent. It's possible. 
They literally have. <laughs> okay, so that's something you really wanted to do for your gap. That's right. It didn't end up what I what I had expected though, because it became eventually a virtual programming lecture of just Arabic language, which was great, but also one not I had originally signed up for, which is supposedly a little bit more of a immersive experience of getting myself out in my comfort zone where I, you know, was stuck at home for so long that I had wanted to just kind of experience something. I mean, definitely a lot of independent skills that I wanted to get to learn throughout the course of my gap year before getting into college. Cause I know that first of all, I needed to survive on many different fronts, um, whether that's eating. So cooking was something that I had originally wanted to explore. Uh, being able to be independent um, was another thing. So just a different, you know, amounts of experiences. But at the end, it just became a stay-at-home virtual program, uh, which I, I had really not intended uh, to do in the first place. But you're, you're keeping yourself busy. I know. What else are you doing with your gap with your gap here yeah no definitely i mean as you know from me i'm the most spontaneous person and also at the same time if my schedule is clear i do not know why but it's always has to be like you know fit with something yeah you've uh, got the the google calendar anxiety you're like ah you know you gotta tetris it you gotta fit exactly, it in exactly you're fucking i've got 45 minutes free oh let's join a club <laughs> I know, I get it, man. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I've done. I've done quite a number of like projects slash like I, I was just exploring, right? Like, I don't remember if I told you, but I did a random pharmaceutical nanotechnology internship over the summer. Um, had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, hi, I'm Victor. Uh, <laughs> I took chemistry in high school. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, I never even took chemistry in high school, so it's even worse. <laughs> never a year of chemistry. Tell me your secrets. I'll make the new drug. Yeah. So yeah, did that. I spearheaded another chem- uh, another podcast that was trying to redefine how history is being taught inside the classroom experience. Was working on a startup and textbook. That's right. That's on my to watch. That's on my to listen list. I oh encourage any of the listeners to go check it out. I do not think you'll be disappointed if you like history, if you like, what's the premise of the show? Give it a little teaser. Yeah. I mean, it's 15 young people from across the US, all of different diverse backgrounds. I mean, there's myself, a Chinese American, but we literally have a Quaker on there. We have a French American. We have a Vietnamese refugee. We have a Pakistani American. We have someone that comes from the state of Oklahoma that is you know, queer and also Native American. I mean, there's just a diverse range of people on our podcast that are all choosing a history book of their choice and then interviewing the author and historian directly on the history topic that they chose. So whether that's food history, race and medicine, um, it can even talk about how to learn from the Germans, how to talk about leadership and the qualities in which American society has been influenced by people. So there's a lot of different topics. And we don't call it just history for nerds or history for fanatics like ourselves, Everett. You know, we we are intertwined by this category on an everyday basis. But, you know, for many people, like, these are just mere stories of just young people that have taken apart their identity and realized that, you know, as different as we are, we are all bounded by the sense that we do 
want a thriving democracy and we are all Americans ready to create a place that is best and inclusive for everyone. So it's super exciting. We have a lot of amazing influential people that we've been really grateful to meet. And, you know, we are super excited to launch it on October 19th um, when we have three episodes out specifically geared for the election. So super, super excited for that. That'll be fantastic. I am eagerly awaiting that. I think it's time for our speed round. So I'm going to ask you like five to six questions and, you know, take could be a one word answer, could be 30 second minute answer, but we're going to try and get this going fast. All right. Number one, who was your first celebrity crush, fiction or real? Ariana Grande. <laughs> Ariana Grande? Yeah. Oh, shit. Any, like, particular music video? What, what was she in? Ariana Grande. <laughs> I, not a bad choice, my dude. Mine was Emma Stone, specifically Emma Stone in Easy A. I think she killed that. Ooh, okay, okay. Good choice. Okay, okay. So rebellious. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could see that, honestly. Like, that, right. that fits. She's her. so smart. <laughs> I was in love with Emma Stone. If you listen to this. <laughs> Have you ever gotten the chance to meet her at all? Do you want to meet her? What's the What's the plan for you to, to get to see her in person? I totally want to meet her. I totally want to meet her. If, uh, all right, Emma Stone, if you're listening to this, I'm inviting you to um, Rhode Island. For, the formal <laughs> at Georgetown. Any <laughs> yeah, no, Univer- Georgetown University, please be my date. <laughs> please. Okay, next question. What's one of the best books you've ever read? The Fifth is Extinction. The Fifth Extinction? What is that? It's a book talking about the different roles that humans have played that have caused catastrophes and disasters um, on all fronts, whether that's economically, socially, politically, all dealing with a little bit more of the environment. So talking about how the fourth extinction was from the dinosaurs. I mean, the fifth extinction comes from humans. So that's, it's a, it's a little bit of a futuristic book talking a little bit more about how crucial it is for us to start working uh, to solve these pressing issues. Oof, that's good. Heavy, but good. I like it. All right. Who was your starter Pokemon? Oh my gosh. I'm a... Oh my gosh, this might be overrated. I'd have to just go with Pikachu, man. Pikachu? Yeah. Dude, what? <laughs> you narc? <laughs> Pikachu, yeah. All right. What is yours? What is yours? I want to hear that. Bulbasaur. Why Bulbasaur? I was thinking about that. I was thinking Bulbasaur, about that. Bulbasaur, I like plants. Um, he's got like the, like plant tentacles. I don't know. Okay. I don't, I could never quite tell what animal he was based off of. Like, is it a turtle? I don't know. Um, Squirtle is very clearly a turtle, but I have no idea where Bulbasaur came from. Maybe just a turtle dinosaur, probably. Right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how it works. Um, okay. Alexander Hamilton or Thomas Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson. Thomas, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Oh shit, that's controversial. That's like that is controversial. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would agree. I would, I'm on the same side. But the musical lovers are gonna come after you, man. After you, man. Oh my gosh, they are. They're gonna get you. They are. What? What is your? Why? Why is your choice Thomas Jefferson? Why is my choice Thomas Jefferson? One, I think Alexander Hamilton is just like a little bit overrated. 
because of the musical and everything. Two, um, I think in hindsight, Hamilton was sort of correct about the financial direction that the country should or, you know, did end up going in in terms of building a centralized bank, making New York a financial powerhouse. Um, But I think Jefferson was more rooted in like this romantic idea of what America could be. Right. I think I I agree. I find that really attractive. I think Hamilton was more of a pragmatist. So if I had to vote between them, I don't know that my choice is as clear, but in my heart, Jefferson is. My real answer would be Ben Franklin. I think Ben Franklin is way cooler than either. Yeah, that guy is pretty cool. I have his, I have his autobiography here, which is Ah. like one of the best books I've ever read. Ben Franklin's autobiography. It's him as like an absolute scoundrel when he's 17, 18. He's like a total playboy and he like starts a printing shop. He's ye old, like, he, yeah, he's ye old keeping up with the Kardashians. There's some show. Yeah, exactly. All right. Waffles or pancakes? Pancakes. Toppings? Fruits. Fruits? (laughs) Fruits, pan, oh man. Syrup? Yeah. There's this one. There's this really good waffle place in Manhattan called Waffles and Dingus. Really? It's, yeah. It's like, it's in Midtown. Every time I go to New York, I go there. And I get the oh. Belgian waffle with Nutella and strawberries. That sounds actually really good. It's fantastic. We're going to have to go. Let's meet up in New York. Yeah. Any of the listeners can come. We'll go get waffles. And you can get a pancake. You, yeah. Nice, all right nice all right we're we're almost out of time if the people want to find you where can they find you yeah they can find me on instagram at the handle victor e.02 they could also find me if they work in the professional field on linkedin <laughs> <laughs> or you can always feel free to message me or email me um at my email as well i'm I'm open i'm an open book do, do you ever get linkedin spammed like i do recruiters like like victor we have a new you know sales platform for your nonprofit. like like you don't know me like oh joe leave me alone the amount of people yeah and like yesterday i got one that's like some person that owned some like private jet company and thought I was a CEO <laughs> and sent me a request saying, Hey, we are the CEO of something like that. If you would like your personalized travel um, through our private jetliners, yeah. um, we'd love to get a consultation. And I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep it real with you. Private jet company. Like, no, <laughs> No. 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 Yeah. All right. Victor, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation. Uh, uh, You know, it's always a a pleasure to get to talk to you. I hope you will join us again someday soon. Of course, of course. And I I really appreciate you, Everett, for for making this happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, To all the listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, Until next time, have a fantastic night. Ready, set, and begin.